Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 220 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we're back in the media pit. We are talking about the penultimate race in the X2O Ducky Cross series, the final race in the Super Prestige series, the exciting news about the announcement of the Pro CX calendar for U.S. domestic UCI racing, and then also the unveiling of the 2021 location of U.S. Cyclocross Nationals. All right, that's a lot to cover, so let's not mess around. Go over to WideAnglePodium.com, become a member, go to cxhairs.substack.com, Dot com sign up if, if you right now subscribe for a year on the bulletin you'll be set through worlds of next year so get in now you'll get all this bonus stuff that we're going to cover up until september gosh august you know and then we'll get right into the cyclocross season and then you'll be raring to go so we're still going to be putting stuff out there so join us let's get to this podcast let's get in the pit we're talking about Middle Kirka, Lilla, and the Pro CX calendar, and Nationals, and a whole lot of other stuff. We've got Michael and Zach in the pit. It's episode 220 of Cyclocross Radio, and we're doing it right now. We are back in the media pit. Michael... How's it going? Bill, I'm ginned up. Just so much buzz on Twitter about the uh, U.S. crossing next fall, but we do have a little bit of European cross to get to, so maybe we'll just punt that. I'm lost. Zach, help me out. What are we... What what is, what is What does pumping have to do with anything? A little bit of cross to get into. Oh, Lil. Lil. Oh, okay, I got it. That was one of the races from last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. That was one of the races from last weekend. There you go. There we go. That All was right. it. Bill, why, was you, it. why are you why are you why are you why are you spoiling things already? Where's the puppy? <laughs> You're, you just already gave away the lead. Well, I guess we can move on to the second thing we're gonna talk about then. No, we got so so what did we decide? We had um Lilla and uh, Middle Earth. Middle Earth, right? Those two races, Super Prestige. The Wizards were away. The penultimate race in the Super Prestige. And no, no. The penultimate race in the in Ducky Cross and the final <laughs> race in the Super Prestige. Right. Where, yeah. And I think we, we came down on, we had one good race of the weekend two intriguing narratives is that is that what we're going with i think that's fair from from the media pit standpoint and how we view things i mean I, what what well i so i don't know i guess i was i was thinking we just have like one one tnt does drama um well yeah let's know. okay let's get well, into so it. T- no, I, I think we should do that one second so convince me on what the what's the intriguing narrative of the good race because i'll just i'll be honest like i i got to worlds i, I was blown uh to pieces from you know doing previews and i get to worlds and i expressed this last year i don't really give a shit about these races so tell me what was what was intriguing uh what was the what was the intrigue surrounding the women's race uh the snow race at lilla little affair okay so you're telling me snow is not intriguing to you i mean it was a good race i'll talk about the race and what occurred in the race but show yeah hit me yeah well i mean the the conditions were were i haven't seen that in a while you had sauna on fire at the front doing you know finally got her world's uh, peak a little bit more dialed down um you i guess you had a little bit of a bad commerce um narrative with the final gc there's one more race next weekend so um betsima was trying to eat into that and she did a really good job she did everything she could so i mean i don't know that, that was fun i thought it was some good racing we saw worse kind of back up in the mix i don't know that's isn't 
Lilla the one that came down to a sprint finish? Yeah. Two up sprint I'm saying finish? it's a good race, but I'm just saying like you're you're implying that the intrigue matched what what we got at uh at Middlekirk uh, from the men. Oh on no no, Saturday. I was just saying that just... that was a good race because it was uh Brandon Alvarado just going head to head coming down to a two up sprint, which was uh pretty exciting. Yeah. It was a great race, but I just don't right. think I don't think the intrigue comes anywhere near to matching what happened in the men's race at Middlekirk. No, no, that was my one good race, and that was a good right. race. I, I will I will say that Alvarado and Brand, especially you know Alvarado, definite like riding with a chip on her shoulder, and it shows, and okay. it's awesome. And I think this is this may be. I mean, she had a couple that she was winning sprints last year, but this was the first like long, almost two three stage sprint against brand straight up that she was able to 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 beat brand so that was so, I derailed. let's just talk about the race it was a great race wow. let's do wow. it let's do the thing i derailed <laughs> this conversation uh we had so i want to introduce this i you know i think we've been we've been talking about the abb and uh, uh, frankly at this point if you have to ask what that means i i i you know i think everyone knows i don't even know what it means always be branding oh come on Come on, bro. Always beat Betsima. Well, I don't. I, anyone that's your but opinion. anyone, anyone but Betsima, I think, is how that goes. Oh, yeah. Well, so I, I, I feel like uh, we know how ex- we know how she's going to start. I mean, I think it's pretty inevitable how every race is going to play out. And I guess we saw in the two different races, we have like we'll call it our ABB Rider of the Day, and that's the the rider who happens to like take a stab at shutting down her fast starts. Uh, and we had a tale of two ABB riders of the day on on Saturday. Uh, Michael's girl. Uh, we had double Vills off the front, and Vill number two failed us. And you know it was a pretty pretty middling kind of race. Uh, but Sana Khan was your your ABB killer. She your looked ABB. so great in that race. Yeah, yeah. It she was awesome. she was your ABB killer until she got killed. By the B. Well, but like, but she's slow. Like it, right? We've established. Like, if Betsima gets away in lap one or two, she wins the race. Right. That's how she wins. And if by lap three, if she has not gotten away, I don't think she's won a race this year. And Sana hung in there. Like she, she kept her wheel. She, she fought. Uh, Primetime made some mistakes. Brand made mistakes. And there was Sana Khan. She here's, did the thing. Here's what I love, and here's what I love about cyclocross, is that you can talk about. Sana's best years most likely behind her. I, 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 I'm sorry if you're outraged by that statement. I, I think that is You true. haven't been paying attention. Yeah. However, she's won this race like six times and there's something about it. There is something about this is my course. This is where I'm good. Did she win? No. But this is the first time she's been out front with a gap that we've seen in a long time. Forever. And and she just looked great. And if it wasn't, you know, we talk about it. There, there was she made for for talking about all this experience and all this experience on the course. She ended up making a, almost a rookie mistake in that Denise Betsima. She was beating Denise Betsima through the most technical sections. She was beating everybody through the most technical sections. She was picking up seconds through these sections. And then when it got into the bigger power stuff, you know the. The, the the other women were, were catching back up. But it came down. There was a lead group. It was branded, gotten out front. Alvarado was right on her wheel. And then Sana was third going into that technical section. And she let Betsima go by her. She didn't, you know, early younger Sana would have probably given her a, a, an elbow to the um, throat and made sure that she did not pass her coming into that section, but she wasn't able to do that. She lets her get by first time up where Sana had been like cleaning this section every time. And uh, that's when gets it wrong, you know, and has to get off her bike and push it up. And that's just like that ended Kant's, you know, and Kant then lost all of her momentum and that just kind of ended her opportunity. You know, it was a, People don't like us giving Yara Castellan a hard time. I understand it, but it was the same kind of thing we were saying about strategically not wanting to be behind Castellan earlier this season in technical sections. And that's that's really what happened. I think also, like, because of the snow, like, that was which was so intriguing to me was that because Kant has the most experience out there, she was the one who sort of, like, has those skills. And that was really, I think that was, like you said, Bill, it was really awesome to see, like, watching her ride that snow 
in the Belgian tricolor was was pretty cool to see. And I'm gonna award her the my Gruden's grinder of the weekend. I'm gonna bring that back. I feel like she really grinded it out there. Um, yeah, until you're right. You know, after the race, we found out she actually was losing losing uh, losing air out of that that, that tire. She had a she had a flat tire that she was uh, racing on for the final lap. So who knows? Snowpiercer. My tweet <laughs> it went nowhere. So I have a question for you guys. I uh, watched this uh, during the uh, this this evening before I didn't I didn't watch it on uh, the weekend. What was it like, like watching live? Not because I'm, you know, I'm watching and I'm like, you know, like in lap four or five. I'm like, how does this end up a sprint finish between Brandon Alvarado? (laughs) Um, What what is going on here? How is there a big gap between like, you know, Brandon Alvarado and Sana and Batsama? So what was it like, like seeing Khan? go into the last lap being there you know she had that mistake on unclipping just kind of curious what your thoughts what were you guys thinking it made it exciting it's a, it's a, it's exactly what you're talking about zach Where like yeah it's it's a little harder to to find something to be excited about in these in these later races and having somebody else with an opportunity to win a race you know it was it was super cool i enjoy sort of chatting with people on twitter during the races and uh twitter was kind of losing its mind over over sauna so it was, it was i was gonna nice. like did you think sauna could win the race like was there a point where you're like i think she could do this i wanted to yeah. believe right yeah <laughs> yeah i wanted to believe in the miracles um okay i don't know i i, I thought it i think it offered us a lot because one it, and you had the sauna part and that was great to see and then at the end, when you had Brand and um, Primetime in a two-up sprint, and like you said, Bill, Alvarado overcomes that sort of thing she needed to do, and I turned around and, and gave my partner a high five. I mean, we were so stoked to see that sprint, and it was, God, it was so long. It was the most longest sprint ever. God, it, no, no, no. it, was, it was great. We can quickly talk about the men's race, and we can just put Lilla behind us. Um... Lauren Swick, uh, you know, I, my my theory on Lauren Swick is that you know he's going to come good once a year, and and this was his weekend. This was his weekend, and he ended up just sort of going off the front of this race and winning it, and um, nobody could really hang with him. So, what would you call that period where he won two races earlier this year? Was that the pre-s weekend? Was that the? Yeah, I guess. You know, but it's sort of like fits and spurts like that. It's like he doesn't go on these long extended runs right because wasn't he awful after winning those races oh totally yeah. that's what i love about lauren sweck yeah. that's what made the is lauren sweck elite post amazing is he'd be like he's so good and then you like he was so terrible and they'd be like he's back and i mean that's what i i love i love the lauren sweck experience i love that it's a roller coaster and that's been my complaint is like he had those good races and he was just awful yeah and he gave us a little little sliver to believe in before Worlds and had a nice race, fifth place. That's what I want. I want this out of Lauren Sweck. This I, this fulfills me. I'm telling you, I just have this vision of him like in on, on the side of the uh, of the RV before the race, smoking a cigarette, you know, and just sort of like stubbing it out on the tail and going, "Today we race bikes." <laughs> that, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you guys. Like I feel like I feel like this weekend makes me like Sweek more. And I also, I just like that because he seems so, he's, I don't know if he's even killed. I mean, he did cry uh, after, he was crying after he won on Saturday. Yeah, like we'll he, get we'll get to that because that was a, that was an interesting part of that whole story. He, he seems like a guy who kind of could maybe give a fuck and maybe not. And like, he's got the talent and sometimes he wants to use it. And it's, you're so used to athletes with talent being so driven and like, sacrificing so much for that goal and winning at any cost to see someone like Sweek who's like, you know, yeah, like I'm going to win two races in a row in their first part of the year and then I'm going to come back and then win two more and sort of like stick a knife in my uh, teammates GC hopes and like I don't really care and the boss is going to yell at me and I, I just, whatever. Like I'm a Sweek fan now. I'm all in. The other other notable in that, uh, Cornevet Castle making his way onto the podium. I don't. I don't know if he's been there this year yet. So, oh, good, good for him. Good race for the Cornet. Oh. Um, should we talk about Middle Earth? Yeah, yes. let's do it. The all right. So, women's race. The, okay, 
and I, this is where I see Zach's point. The, the, the women's race, Betsima just rode away from everyone. She did that thing where she gets off the front and she made it sick, you know? So if, if that works, like every how many races, then go with that strategy. Brand ended up crashing. Was it first corner? It was like early on in this lap. And then early on in the race, and she got stuck in the pony camp for a long time. So the the, the Sonicant group, which was, I think, 7th to 10th or 11th or 12th, somewhere in that range, how it played out in the Super Prestige points-wise, it looked like Brand had the whole thing in hand. But Alvarado could still catch her. So the intrigue of that race, at one point, if you had like the virtual tour up there, like who's leading the tour now because they're seven minutes up the road, at some point, I believe Brand was winning the Super Prestige. You mean Alvarado. I mean Alvarado, excuse me, correct. Alvarado was winning the Super Prestige. So the race that I think everybody was watching was to see if Brand could make up enough spots to not jeopardize losing the series. And then at some point, she just put it into, you know, brand mode and motored herself up into the, into the, into the race and, and ended up on the podium like she always does. Yes. Well, and I think like, I mean, I think it's pretty well established that Betsima Brand and Alvarado are the three strongest riders. And I mean, if you talk about like our, you know, I, I think it proves our point again, that if it's not Alvarado or brand on Betsima's wheel, she's going to, you know, say drop man Bacher or whomever else it might be. And that's what occurred. So, um, pretty typical, typical narrative, um, to that race. But yeah, that's what brand does is, uh, she podiums every race, but one this year. That's it's so crazy to look at that. And to think of that, her her OPP is, uh, is that 99% Zach? Um, I mean, she's got, Next weekend, there's they're finishing up the X2O series, so she'll race that. But I feel like that's got to be it for her. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think part of the fun, uh, I mean, like Usmal, like I don't know, the year end party or whatever, it's not, uh, they're not really parties, as Matthew Vanderpool uh told us. He just he went home and he had a he had a pizza by himself. It was very depressing <laughs> after he won worlds. <laughs> Um, so the men's race though, uh, we've, uh, you know, the, the sauce lions thing that's been like put on the back burner. We did, we did Vanderpool. We did Wout, did a little Pitters Palooza, the sauces, the sauces are back. Yeah. So this is, this is my thought. It was like, we had the period with the amazing athletes, the, 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 the guys that suck all the, the energy out of the room. And then we get this race where, as you said, the race maybe wasn't that exciting, but the internal, the dynamics, the narrative, the inter-team strife was almost better than that. And we get that with the sauces and the tunes. Like, you don't really get that with Wout and Vanderpool because they're just so good. It's all about their skill. Here, you get more of that inter-team drama. And I, I don't know. I was super entertained because... You had the team boss literally lean over the, the, the snow fencing and like tell Sweek to slow up. And then Sweek like yells at Ellie, like, what are you doing? Like, get your ass up here if you want to win this race. I mean, I can, I just, can I just m- my thought on this whole issue? I'm just if you're if you're uh, one, the fact that like this battle that we're watching, like to tone look terrible. Bill, back to your point, best world's peaker, perhaps ever i don't know i mean my god he looked awful but like Ezerbeat looked terrible so we're talking about the two guys of these teams that just looked awful i mean at one point lars vanderhart literally stopped uh, and i'm sure we'll get to that but here's the thing you don't deserve to win the super prestige if you can't beat lauren sweck i'm sorry like if you're like well uh you know i can't beat lauren sweck but i still deserve no that that's my thought i'm on team sweck on this 100 percent so this is how this all played out. If Ailey Ezerbeet had won the race and Tone Eretz had come in seventh seventh place, then Ezerbeet would have gained enough points to pass Eretz and take the Super Prestige. Right. 
Yes. This even after Ezerby didn't race the last round. So right. So think of how well, he big DNF'd. Yeah. Okay. He DNF'd. That's DNF'd right because he was racing it to try position. to protect the lead. Right. So yes. he lost. You know. Well, he lost. I mean, again, to your point, Zach. Eric didn't do great. He only got nine points in that round. So he lost, you know, nine points right there, and it made it a, a tighter race, but Eric's up there. And this is the craziness of how this thing went out. Like, Lawrence Weck and Michael Van Tornout were the two fastest guys. Van Tornout just looked like he was crushed. He didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I'm sure if he just wanted to, like, walk off the course and go, you guys figure this out, I'm out. He, he, he may have done that. He's like, I want to race my bike. I want to win. I'll help Ailey if I need to. Sweck was kind of the same way, but you're right, Zach. He was almost soft pedaling, and Azerbeat still couldn't catch him. He would have had to stop and just wait in the pits for him to get him. And it turned. He sat up. I was watching these straightaways, and he's just like, I'm making a very calm vo- face. And by the end of the middle of the race, Azerbeat looked. I mean, you could early in the race, he was chasing moves, and Sweck's just like, la di da, just on a Saturday ride. I mean, like, what else was Sweck supposed to do? Besides pull a Vanderhaar. Here's here's the interesting thing, because that was the thing, is that Vanderhaar and Tone and Sven were in the position to just screw with the sauces to no end. And you can say, Bill, <laughs> you're just making this up. They weren't actually doing any of that. But the history between the sauce boss, Menapegan, and Sven... And even Mario de Klerk, who used to be, I don't know if he, I don't think he's still there, on that team as well, who used to be the manager of that team under Menegan, they hate each other. They absolutely hate each other. There were races in the past where Sven um, accused Menegan of changing a course to meet <laughs> Kevin Powell's strengths. Like that crap was going on all the time. Mario de Klerk and Sven, while they were racing, hated each other and used to get into it. I mean, there's just bad blood all over there. On the other side of it, you have Lars Vanderhaar, who came over to Sven's team, who used to race with Sven. They had a great relationship. When they were racing, they would help each other. It pissed off Belgian to no end that this Dutch kid that none of the Belgians liked was like taken under Sven's wing and they were kind of working with each other. I think he was even at one point. I, I couldn't find it, but I swear that they screwed over Niels Albert for a World <laughs> World Cup overall <laughs> title by like Sven, if he had sat up. Same type of thing. If he had sat up, Niels would have been able to pass him and beat Vanderhaar for the points, but he didn't. And then, you know, Vanderhaar, and I think that was the 2012, 2013. But I also think that this is some sort of um, Mandela effect because I can't because I can't find it anywhere. So um, all of that being said, if Tone had passed Lars Vanderhaar and Sven said, if he needs to let him pass you and Lars said, you got it, boss. No problem. We'll do it. If he had done that, there would have been no pressure on Lawrence Sweck. Lawrence Sweck could have said, Dude, you can't even win this if you pass me. There's no, it is mathematically impossible for you to win this series. So at some point, I swear, knowing that, Sven was like, Lars, go ahead. Because then it just makes them look bad. Because now they have to sit up and wait for their guy, and he's still not going to win. So we're just going to mess with our heads. And and then Tone just sort of like crawled in and for whatever he got, fifth, sixth place. And still won. But that's that's where I thought it was fun because there were all this like old history and bad blood rolled up into it. Is it really true? I want to believe it was. And that's what made that race. Well, and that's what's the matter. In this other race, like no one, I mean, maybe someone will go find it, but we'll just assume you're right. Like this race happened where that thing that you were talking about with Neil Zelbert. So it happened. Yeah. And that's the you that's know? just that's that's what I was loving about watching this. And and also like afterward. You know, consummate, you have all these guys up front, like, fighting with each other, and then you have consummate teammate Lars Vanderhaar is like, didn't even say it was awesome for Tone first. He was like, it's awesome for Lucinda that she won the series, <laughs> my teamy. It's awesome for Tone that he did. It was a great day for the Lions, great day for the team. And you're like, don't get that after the Super Bowl. You know, <laughs> this was like more bonding there. 
And then I guess the last point about all of this that even led more to the drama is you saw Sweck getting yelled at the whole race. Like, dude, what are you doing? He comes across the line and he's in tears and he's like, holy crap. He knows he like screwed up like he's he, over his team. And it's just all like, and he's just so emotional about this. Turns out his father-in-law had passed away and this race was in his honor. And he was very emotional about that. They asked him about like, you know, all this stuff going on. He's like, I don't care. It didn't mean anything to me. I was raising my race, you know, that had no bearing on anything, which, um, yeah. So just all of that working around, we're like, okay, we got a post-Worlds race. Let's make something out of it. And in not that exciting race or competitive or one where anybody looked good, they made it, they made it good. And Lawrence Sweat got a nice win. Well, I mean, it is, you know, I will say it is the super prestige. And as J-Pow was saying, you get 30,000 euros in a new car. So, you know, it's Good post point. worlds, but there's there's a lot of stuff on the line here, and, and you can see that. And uh, you know, I don't know. I, there was talk. There's anytime you see this kind of beef, the talk is Sweeks off the team or where are they going? And and I don't know the contract details on the CX Harris Bulletin Slack. There were some people were saying that Sweek is still on the team for another couple of years. So that's you know a little more silly season cross stuff that we'll watch out and see. Uh, you know, maybe Sweek leaves the team. Free Sweek. I don't see where he like, goes. I don't see. I don't see him finding a better situation. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the problem. He's on. There are two big teams. He's on one of them. Yeah. I was going to say. I was about to throw it out there. I think that one thing I was thinking about um, when Van Tornout had his moment, very brief. He had a moment. Um, was like, what if you know, like, what if, what if he ended up on a different team? You know, what if things really stirred up? So, like, let's pretend this is real, like how regular sports work. Like, so you're the sauces, you've got your, um, you've got your, your, your horse, your, your purebred in Ailey, I assume, is still kind of the man. You've got Ryan Camp coming up, and you've got you know a lot of young talent. So, like, what if you say, yeah, we'll just let Sweck and Vent. How much be- would would racing be better if Sweck and Vent turnout were on? Like, let's say one, let's say the containers came into a bunch of money, you know, and he went there, and then you know, would the would the racing be better to have those guys just freelancing and messing with things? Yeah, I mean, um, even the, yeah. the the Lions need someone. I was to say, I mean, yeah, well, who do they got? I mean, they got Tone and Lars and. Tone's only peaking for worlds, so... So, like, yeah, like, what if Van Tornout went to the Lions? The Lions? Like, so amazing. that would be interesting. That would create intrigue. To me, that would be, like, you know, the the this, the NBA silly season that we have in the offseason. Oh, we need more of that in cyclocross. That would be... That would make me happy because I think that Michael Van Tornout is, like, one of the few people on a big team who did not start in the Telenet Fidea system. So he needs to he needs to have that that on him at some point. Yeah. So we had I mean the, I don't know I thought like hearing afterwards about you know Swack and you know his father in law and I mean I just come back to it like you know we we in the media pit we you know it they're very I was gonna say foreign right they're they're Belgian and we treat them as like these robots or whatever but I don't know it's been interesting to me to see these moments of emotion you know you saw when um, Dieter Van Turnout raced his last race and Michael Van Turnout was just broke up you know like to see the human side of it i guess is is pretty neat you know um i mean you don't want to see that tragedy but to see that like these are people and there is this other side to it is uh interesting uh to see from the just another generic belgian so to me it's been kind of uh, just interesting neat um brings home that it's these are people uh and i don't know just little little moments like that have been kind of interesting to me yeah do we have anything else to to cover in the the world of uh, European cyclocross, Michael? Well, European, you know, I just I think we should talk about uh, Tom Pidcock laying down in a, in a, a supposed like really fast 10k time. <laughs> Turns out maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I just was thinking about the the you know. I, I think this comes gun. under. I don't know if Zach's been following this, but this 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 feels like a nowhere fast type story where there were multiple GPS files out there, and which one was correct? <laughs> oh, they didn't do. One. He didn't do a record. He needed. We needed his um his Apple Health as well as his GPS. We needed his steps per minute or whatever. Yep. 
We, I, I'm just worried that we're going to lose Tom Pidcock, um, not to road, but to triathlon. He's going to pull a Talansky. In the in the uh, CX Hairs bulletin Slack channel, there is a legit like runner in there who has been on. I don't know how close he got to the Olympics. If he did, I'm sorry, Joe, if you were there. But he was like, "That ain't right." Just watching him run <laughs> yeah. in that video clip, that's that's not right. And I I, I trust him on that. I think uh, Michael Woods did the same thing. Okay. Right. He was like, ah, put him at like 15, I think he said, or something, but not like, what was it, like 13 and a yeah. half? Yeah. So we have our resident. Everyone, I think everyone was tagging uh, Woodsy. We're like, hey, <laughs> what do you think? Well, I can tell you this. He wasn't, he wasn't setting any records running in the sand. I was going to say, right, exactly. Like if, if he was that fast of a runner, then uh, yeah, he would have finished better. Move across so the should ocean. We, uh, should we move to... It's just very interesting. I mean, I guess a uh, friend of the show, Amanda Nauman, kind of made this point. And it's something that I've been feeling, you know, very interesting that um, it seems to me a lot of people are proceeding as if 21, th- this season is a done deal. It's for sure happening. We're going to do the thing. Um, you know, after last year, it seems like some skepticism is warranted. And I was in the same boat. And we learned today, though, that Chicago Nationals is on the schedule. And I'm so hyped. I was just like, oh, it's happening. All right, we're doing the season. And I was texting my buddy. I'm like, I don't care. Like, we're racing cyclocross this winter. We're doing Chicago Nationals. I'm going to finish 75th in the 40 to 44 race there. Like, let's do this. Um, which is all to say that we uh, we have schedules across the board for both domestic and World Cups, um, but let's talk domestic. I mean, I think it's it's been so long. Yeah, no, and just to just to start out, I guess we get that uh, uh, national championship piece out of the way. This has not been officially announced by USA Cycling yet, so we're still waiting for their official announcement. But friend of the show, uh, Josh McKinney, was able to pass along the DuPage County events page that had the 2021 cyclocross national championship listed on there. And I sort of followed that up with a few of my contacts who would know. And I got, um, I, 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 I got a, a, a solid, I'm not denying it. So I, I am, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going, I'm going with those two pieces of information to say that this is a, this is a sourced and reliable, um, uh, and worth reporting on on story that that Chicago land will have the national championships. Do we do we need to clarify that it's not actually in Chicago for the people who I said Chicago there? land? Like, I like <laughs> okay, okay, oh, okay, Chicago land. Okay, sorry. it's in, in Wheaton. Wheaton. Um, no, I, I was concerned because I know it's a sports convention, so it's the DuPage County, um, which is one of the counties just kind of like due west of Chicago. Um, their convention in visitors borough and they have a, a sports whatever it's a pretty big county there's a lot of people that live there so they can do that kind of thing i was just kind of concerned that they were going to be like yeah we're not no so i'm i'm pretty excited that they decided to go back in i mean if cantigny or cantini absolutely beautiful it's um be interesting to see what the course looks like but as a, as venues go like it's just a beautiful like estate um so yeah i'm i'm stoked i mean i'm from chicago if you haven't figured that out i used to go there on field trips when i was a kid um so yeah i'm i'm excited michael we're gonna do it we're gonna race nats oh my god finish 75th and 80th you and i me. feel like you're gonna finish a lot higher than me i i after zwifting with you um in the spring i realized how much stronger you are than me yeah. so i'm not but we're in the worst category 40 to 44 <laughs> is the absolute worst cyclocross category that is, that is hitter central yeah, oh my God. it's so all she- like the ex pros who are recently retired and like are just ready to they've they've done their penance of not racing masters and then you know in thirty five to thirty nine and they're like all right I'm forty masters time. I got a, I got a tech question then. So I haven't raced cross seriously in like two or three years. Um, I still have a set of tubulars. Does that mean I need to buy some tubular? I have tubular wheels. Should I buy a set of tubular tires? For this season, Zach, so I can like do I do I go all in one more time on the tubs? Uh dude, I'm hundred percent on the tubeless train. Like I will never okay. I've I've converted, I will never run tubulars again in my life. <laughs> like tubeless. I'm I'm tubeless for life now. Here's my question okay. for you all. Are you gonna warm up by doing Pan Ams? <laughs> 
I mean, I don't know. If we're going to go cover it, sh- sure. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll warm up by working Pan Am. Google's, Google's Minneapolis to Tulsa driving time. <laughs> Not to bury the lead, but that was the other thing that we found out is that we're actually, I think last week we talked about, we were lamenting that there wasn't going to be a Pan American championship, continental championship for uh, us. And, and it turns out there is, you know, it, it truly was an 11th hour bid. Our friends, you know, Tanner, Colbreth and uh, that whole group down for ruts and guts um, did, did an awesome job and stood up and took on that responsibility. So they're going to be hosting uh, the Continental Championships December 4th and 5th, which, I, you know, again, Zach, with as I said on Twitter, like in response to Amanda, I'm excited to have something to get excited about. If it actually happens, yeah. that's even, you know, that's a bonus. That's that's great. I, I, I think that's does. a good attitude. No, I, I think that you're right. Like, let's get let's get excited and we'll have plenty of time because like we'll get the long lead in of events getting canceled throughout the summer um, to to build our disappointment. But let's get excited. I'm, um, <laughs> I mean, I no, I I've said a million times on this podcast, like Pan Am's is awesome. I think it's an important race to have. Uh, I'm really thank you so much to our friends from Ruts and Guts for stepping up to the plate and making sure uh, that it happens. And I, I think that. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a little bit different because it's not that mid-season goal, but I, I just love I love it, how much the riders care, and I love this budding Canada-United well, States uh, battle. And that's, that's, what, I, that's what I was going to say, is that what people may lose grasp of, usually you have these warm-ups, which can be pretty good races going into nationals, but now you have an A-level race the week before nationals, which means that you can peak for both of those. And you're not just going up against the people that you're going to see at nationals. You get this whole Northern invasion coming down too. hopefully even we get some from a Southern invasion as well. And you have all this new competition that is going to be down there and ready to race. And you're going to have some damn hard races at Pan Am's going to nationals. And that's, that's what I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, that's, that's pretty freaking cool. I'm, I'm kind of stoked stoked on that and i don't know that's just just going to be a fun run and can we just i mean i just let's just put it out there so next season this upcoming season we have three world cups in the states yep pan ams yeah and then we have worlds like that's we have everything like this this is the year like if you're a fan and like everything you get your vaccine and you know we are able to do it like You've got it all. Like, it's all out there for you. I put it out there last week that this may be the most, and this was after we had learned, and we haven't even talked about it. I don't know if that's burning, Lee, but that, that you, what you just mentioned, you know, we hadn't talked on this show that there are, we had talked about it because we kind of figured it out again, the bulletin on, on, on top of these things with the scoop on, and it turned out to be true that we're starting in Waterloo at, for the first World Cup in Wisconsin, going to Fayetteville midweek. To Arkansas, to that world's course, and then going to Iowa City the next Sunday. Three World Cups to start the season. As you said, Michael, you got Pan Ams, Nationals, and then finish it up in Worlds. I said it's the most important, it may be the most important season in U.S. cyclocross ever. I don't know how you gauge importance. It's it's got to be the most monumental one. I mean, I it's going to be we're going to be hard pressed to have this much stuff going on in one season with this much international exposure in one season. I guess I agree, I agree with you, and I think this this is kind of like gets to um, talking about the schedule. Um, but we've talked about um, how excited it seems like there's a chance you know we didn't have racing last year uh, and I think people will be excited to pay attention I mean there there is the international component but I think there's having this is the perfect time to like have all these showcase events for domestic cyclocross I think too and I I don't know it just seems like if we're gonna do it if we're gonna put a good product out there and find a way to to build some excitement there's so many opportunities for people to see elite level or elite I and mean, we obviously a little bit like the best you know and then kind of build that narrative here at home with that excitement i think we really need to find a way to capitalize on that and make this a great season and build our domestic stars up and you know i i We've got one. We got to watch her a lot. You know, I think Claire Hansinger is a great piece for that. But to be like, hey, you've been watching on TV and like to have this, you know, hopefully star. I don't know. I just think I think it's important because 
we're running out of time to like have our big moment to to have cyclocross rebound and become a, domestically a thing that people are stoked about. Yeah, and one one thing that happened this season, and I guess we'll get into this second this other part, is that we we got the Pro CX calendar. That's what it is. It's a calendar, and this has always been the for years and years and years, as Michael will tell you. This has always been the argument. It is not a series. It is a calendar. That's what I've always stressed. That's what Zach stressed. This is not a series. This is a calendar. And the Pro CX calendar in the past would have two races on the same weekend. There was a point where they would have, there were a couple weekends three or four years ago where there were three races, three UCI races on the same weekend. That took any chance of a series being out of it. I don't know if it was race days or not, but there were like 42 events or something on race it. And days. we were like, yeah. we have the best calendar. Yeah. We have 42 events spread across, like some of them taking place in the, you know. And well, I think we learned that. Uh, anyway, that was just to say that we, there were a lot. Yeah. So this th- now we have 11 events and those include two of the World Cups, which will also have UCI races that are part of the Pro CX calendar. USA Cycling made the decision to build a calendar that did not have competing races on the same weekend in the U.S., which is great, which means that, and I understood it. I mean, it this was, I, I don't want this to sound like a pejorative, but there was an opportunity, because take advantage of what you can take advantage of. There was an opportunity to point hunt. There was an opportunity to, to venue shop for where you wanted to go race your race and figure out where you had the best opportunity as a elite level racer to get points. And, and, and that, and later in the season with all of these races that you talked about, Zach, there were dates where people were kind of taking rest weeks or doing whatever and not in their racing one weekend off for Thanksgiving. And I think that's the only open date, no overlapping. If you go to a race, you're going to have the best people at that race. And that's, that is cool. And that is something that then we can say it is a calendar, but as opposed to years past, this looks more and more like a series. Like they have pro CX points. They've always had pro CX points. I know Kerry got a bonus for winning the pro CX. A lot of people don't care about the pro CX. It just doesn't, it didn't mean anything. It was just numbers this year. As far as gauging yourself against the rest of the talent, unintended uh the points matter you know because you get to see what what you're doing and it, it actually means something so that that part of it i think is super super cool other side of the coin if we're going to give usa cycling kudos for that which i am i think this is great that they were able to control that and have only one race on the weekend michael why does usa cycling hate the west coast huh that's a question we're seeing a lot on the internet. I mean, I've, even I've had DMs from friends and, and like, but it's not that it's not, it's not, it's not USA cycling's choice, right? That is, that's the choice of promoters on the West coast who decided that yeah, doing I, for, a UCI race is For those who don't, thing. don't understand they're, they're what's the farthest West we're going. Is that Oklahoma? Yes. Yeah. Um, the farthest. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Arkansas and then Iowa. Yeah. So, so th- there are no, there are no mountain races. U.S. Open a cyclocross, I believe, is happening. It's not going to be a UCI race. You know, we haven't seen Sacramento in a couple of years. LACX was a great event. They just couldn't support it. None of the races in the Pacific Northwest, like nationals and that kind of stuff, that those those uh, MFG races, they all do, don't want to uh, host UCI races. They got a good thing going. They just want to keep what they have. So nobody really went went to USA Cycling and said on the west coast or in the mountain states and said we want to have a UCI race and and that's i think what needs to be understood here is that it's not up to USA Cycling to to put a west coast weight race there because they're not they're not or- race organizers they're not promoters you need somebody to start that race if this is something important for you get together with your community and start a race we did that in DC you know, we, we made the decision this year, DCCX, not to be a UCI race. We're going to have a huge party and have a race, assuming that we can in our facility. That was one of the reasons that, you know, we didn't think it was right to say, hey, we're going to have a UCI race and then have the U.S. government say, 
um, no, you're not. Uh, so, um, that's, that, that was one of the things, but we also just wanted to go back to more grassroots and just, just have some fun this year. So that's, that's what we're going to do. So we made that decision not to be UCI race. If, if we want West coast races, we need West coast organizations to say, Hey, this is important to us. Let's try to raise some money. Let's make sure that we get six, 700 people out to the race. So then they can pay for a UCI race. And then, then we can keep some people, you know, that live there closer to home. But until that happens, you can't get on Twitter and say USA Cycling sucks because they didn't put any West Coast races in the Pro CX calendar. They may suck for a lot of other reasons. I don't know. That's <laughs> up to you. You all seem to find a lot of them, uh, but I don't think this is one of them. So I've got uh, just looking at this calendar, and I think this touches on some stuff we talked about towards the uh, end of the season last year domestically. Um, so I've been, you know, listening to uh, Curtis White and did an interview with him, and I was like, you know, what you know, what do you, what do you think about domestic racing next year? You, you know, he wants to, to take his game to the next level. And he's like, I'm learning a lot, getting my face smashed in, uh, here in Europe. But he mentioned the importance of getting the best, uh, at the same venue. Um, you know, and I, I come back to it. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I want cyclocross to be something that like more people get excited about, you know, that, that people are excited about following our athletes. Like they're all, you know, awesome people. And we love the stories, um, you know, and I look at like us and our podcast and obviously, uh, Bill, you, you know, with the bulletin and stuff, we, we have a decent amount of power to do that on the media side. And I think that we've shown that we will create narratives for you. Like we have no problem <laughs> creating, you know, narratives. We'll do that part. Um, but the racing has to be great. And I, I just, I feel, and I know, um, the other part I'm saying this is like, I know there are some athletes who, who listen to this. I, I think there's a little bit of onus on the athletes to get their shit together and make sure that they're at the same spot. You know, we had the famous email thread from the past where Tim Johnson and Jeremy powers and Trebone, I guess it's legendary, right? They'd be like, Hey, where are you going to, the, you know, to coordinate their schedules? And I think there is some going to be some onus on, you know, pick some events, you know, get a Slack channel going or whatever. But like, you know, I just feel like our top athletes have some responsibility to come and race and help us be able to sell this product if they want, if that's what they want, if they want more sponsors, if they want people to care and pay them to race bikes. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of it. And I, the, part of my thought of this, so we saw it with like Wout and Matt, Matthew, they released their schedules and we had an update. We knew which race release your schedules, make it a big deal. You know, I, there's just too much mm -hmm. of like where we look at bike reg on Thursday afternoon and we're like, Oh, I guess this person's racing or why is this person registered? They're not racing. Like, I don't know, release your schedule, get together and be like, look, these eight events are, this is it. You know, we're all doing them. Here's our schedule, get hype. Like, let's do this. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be some responsibility. I think this is a perfect opportunity uh, talk. You guys are friends. I know like there's the elite elite. <laughs> I'm using air quotes. Uh, gravel riders have like a, a Slack channel or an email thread where they share ideas and talk about which events they're going to like, make it good, make, give us stuff to talk about, but you know, you got to show up. And I think some coordination I think would be, would be cool. Should we just start a Slack channel for them? I mean, if it, if it comes to that, yeah, like let's just, yes. <laughs> or we could just uh, invite them to the, the subscriber only bulletin one and just like have all of our, our readers heckle them and be like, you will come to these events and, you know, shame that I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with a little peer pressure. So M Michael, Zach brought up the point about all of the riders making sure that they're in the, the, the same place at the same races at the same time. This is where you get to troll me about the USGP. <laughs> You know, you mentioned the USGP on a on a on a, on a text thread, and I, I learned how much Bill gets triggered by it. <laughs> I only, I know. I get. Watch out! Here it comes. Wow. <laughs> Daggers. Like I was like, are we not friends anymore? I, I all I know is after when uh, when Zach was going through that whole thing, I was thinking hey, it'd be really good if the USGP were around. Then they'd all be at the same, at least the same four weekends together. <laughs> Well, is that's sort of the point of this whole thing, right? right. Is like non-competing weekends. It's 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 a it's a chunk. It's a you can wrap your mind around this the way this the schedule moves around the country. Obviously, this takes resources and finances, and not everybody can do that. We're not that st that level where every rider can go to every race, but it does provide that platform to do this for us. And so, Bill, I have a question for you because you are a UCI promoter. Did this calendar come out? 
after sort of talks with promoters and USAC? This is a sort of coordinated effort to get this together? Every year. Yeah, for sure. Okay. It always is. You know, I, I think that this this is the this is the usually it's the day after nationals. There's a meeting with all of the UCI promoters and we all sit around and figure out the big part is figuring out the schedule. If that, you know, in theory, that's supposed to happen. And then it sort of gets jostled around from there. And then you learn, oh, somebody else got plopped down on your date. So things do do not that that would have ever happened to me. Uh, things do end <laughs> up um changing but there is there is an, an effort to try to figure out what the best calendar is and people put in you know what dates they can be and what dates they can't be oh we can't be there you know there's a marathon in our park that day we can't do, you know that kind of stuff so all that all that is is worked out beforehand this year however the usa cycling did take a little more of a uh a little more authority in this in that i think this is the first time that they said we may not accept all races that want to be a UCI race. And that's that's a different take. In the past, and that's what Zach was talking about when we had 30 races on the calendar, it was like, don't have a race, you're on the calendar. Uh, but I, I think that now they are being more uh, discriminatory and they actually handed out this whole uh, uh, couple pages of, of rules and requirements that you have to meet outside of your race, like community type stuff as well, that you have to do to qualify as a pro CX race, which therefore means a UCI race. And that's, that's another little bit of confusion. I think that was out there. People were like, well, what about the UCI races that aren't in the pro CX? There aren't any. If you are a UCI race in the U S you are in the pro CX. That's it. Those are the UCI races that exist in the U S. So Bill, we also talked about this and I guess I haven't gone through this yet, but, um, in typical UCI fashion, uh, our favorite, rule that was enforced for all of one year, uh, two years maybe, when it tried to kill U.S. Cross, just disappeared. But we've got some C1s back. So how many how many C1s are we we looking at? Put it in there. I think it's either four or five, right? We got four. four. I got the calendar in front of me. Uh, Kings lost their C1 because of that crazy rule, and they lost it for the year that didn't happen. So they actually never lost a C1 year. Oh, right? Isn't that correct? I think you're yes. right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, cuz they, they are it was they in, are. Yeah, they were going to lose it in 2020. Right. But 2020 never happened. Same with Charm City. So it's right. almost like this rule never even happened. <laughs> so we're going to have so we'll have 3 though cuz like I mean Jingle that's going to be I mean, I still think yeah, we'll see what happens in terms of which arrows come, but we'll have three legit American or North American UCIC once then, right? Yeah, With Rochester, Rochester Charm, and Kings. Well, that's great. I mean, that's awesome. And those are, I mean, those are great venues. Those are great. Those are great races that you can like build a story around. So I'm really excited about that. Like those are, that's good. So is that the de facto series? <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> sure. Let's make it, you know, like I, I think that Kings could serve that mid-season kind of check-in that Pan Ams used to be. I mean, that'll be a little bit different than Pan Ams not, isn't there. I don't, you know, give a chance to, you know, like Adam Meyerson's doing NoHo again, which is just a classic U.S. cross venue. So he got screwed beyond the same day as Pan Ams two years ago. So maybe, you know, maybe the hitters will show up at that one. Like, I don't know. I think there's some sweet opportunities to to highlight some of, uh, you know, classic uh races um that have been on the domestic uh calendar it'll be interesting to see where it plays out as well i i think i know i don't want to call out any races but i think i know there's there's a pretty all of the, everybody there are only a couple top level coaches in the country and all of them schedule the uh you're not racing this weekend um, at a certain time during the season, we had that happen with DCCX a couple of years where it was like everybody's rest week. Sorry, we'd love to come, Bill, but this is our rest week. Our coach said so. We can't race. Um, I see where that is in this calendar. I'm not going to like put that out onto any race, but yeah. that's that is going to happen. That is going okay. To but I'm um, like to my point though, like if that is going to happen, like coordinate that. If you're an athlete, be like, hey, just like let's let's look at our training schedules. We know that this is going to be an off week. Like let's plan around, you know, because I could see where if you had it staggered, you could look at like having 
top riders just staggering at the wrong weeks. Like I, if there's a way to do it and I'm not a top level, uh, athlete, um, you know, who has, you know, one week matters or whatever. Right. But like, I think that that might be something that could be coordinated and that would make for better racing in that part of the season. Cause we've yeah. seen where post Pan Ams has been a struggle to keep the, the hype and the engagement up. And I would love to see that be, uh, have the hype leading into Pan Ams and world. Let's not forget that the world cups are not in the middle of the summer anymore. Oh yeah. You know, you're starting in October, yeah. which is, which really changes that math completely. And it also, condenses the season that maybe you can make that that full run through through all of those races because you're not starting you know the first weekend in september or even before that to go to go cross for the first you know uci uci race yeah right yeah so bill and i'll moderate the slack channel just maybe in part because we just want to see what you talk about and we'll just show up and start shit so like let's let's do it the uh... Well, you know, speaking of the athletes, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is seeing like what happens after this gap year for a lot of our athletes. I mean, on the men's side, we had Curtis White, you know, really the sort of top, top of the top was, was the one who raced a full season in Europe. And, you know, he's probably, you know, taking a rest, taking some rest and absorbing those gains. But I feel like he's, he's, I mean, he's not the reigning national champion, but he has to be the man to beat right now. So, you know, where are the rest of the men going to come in and, and where are the rest of the women going to come in as well? I don't know. It's, those will be some narratives that hopefully we'll be whipping up, um, come, come fall time and we'll get to see uh, September 18th and go cross. Yeah. If you want a good, uh, nowhere fast crossover bill, uh, Carrie Werner has been racing in That's the, right. uh, RGT series. Yes. Uh, he had a rough go. I think his <laughs> intro to, <laughs> Uh, it's kind of funny listening to uh, my co-host Kevin Bouchard Hall like uh, he was talking about like uh, dropping him and Kevin's like I can't like in cyclocross carry just would crush Kevin's face and it's just kind of interesting to see that like you know dichotomy or the difference and yeah. but yeah it's awesome to see that carry I guess he's racing with Project Echelon he's going to do some crit race in this summer um, so that's exciting to see that he's going to be putting in some work on that road fitness and getting some pop and getting back up uh, to kind of overcome his because it looks like he's had a fun gap year. Like Kerry Werner yeah. looks like he had a, an enjoyable gap year. Yeah. And, and he did one of those things that I think is really important. And a lot of other athletes can learn lessons from what do you do for your sponsors other than race? And I think if you go back and look at what Kerry Werner did on what I think is a great term for it, his gap year, you can see that he he did not Shimano and Kona and everyone else who sponsors him got their money's worth out of the sponsorship this year from all of the content that he's putting out promoting their 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 goods and their their you know bikes and everything else. So that's that that's what impressed me as well. It's like, yeah, he looked like he was having a ton of fun. At the same time, he was doing the thing that I think that athletes need to do to 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 continue to race their bikes. Did we do it? I think we did it. That was tight. Good hour. Nice work. Uh, we we we. I know I said it last week. I'm I'm saving them all up. We got the emails. <laughs> we got the voicemails saving them all up we're gonna just sort of like kick them out all in all in one episode so thank you for sending us these evergreen uh questions those are well maybe not i mean maybe that's the thing maybe you shouldn't maybe you should have very like time-based questions michael zach bill i need to know this i need to know it now it's of the utmost importance. we'll take those two i mean if you're looking to for sure get on the show i mean i think asking timely uh relevant questions uh, that are not evergreen that's the smart play I mean, if you want to, if you want to get in, like we can't, we don't, we don't want to be stale. You know, I mean, we're, we're on top of things. We record over the media pit meets every week. Slide into DMS with some fact checks, you know, and uh, you might get mentioned on the show or a shout out. <laughs> That's it. We're always open. We're always open for, uh, for tips. The tip line is always open. All right, guys. Uh, great job. Um, Check out the the uh, CX Series bulletin. We're not we're not going away. We we may not be uh, posting as furiously as we did during the season. I think you got a good like two seasons worth of content 
over the last couple months, but but we'll still be we'll still be there. We'll still be uh, giving. Well, I, giving I mean, Bill, stuff. you are the source for scoops. I mean, we're the yeah, we're, hey, we're the game really, in town. If you want those scoops, uh, you know those don't those don't come free. So subscribe to the bulletin. It's a lot of work uh, behind those, and some help from our friends like like Josh. Josh has always been a great friend of like every 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 show, every everything in game or uh, every game in town. But yeah. Um, you know, subscribe now. It gets you all the way through Worlds. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll be we'll be back at you. So, all right, guys. See you next time. Have a sweet week. <laughs> sweet week. Have a sweet. Have a great week. Have a great week. <laughs>